You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend, Gil Martin. He's a writer for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV, and I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Gil, uh, have you filled out your March Madness bracket yet? Are you doing that? (laughs) Uh, I I have not filled out my bracket yet, but that activity will be happening sometime today. Okay, I filled out mine this morning. Actually, um, I'm I'm in in two pools, and uh, had a lot of fun doing this one. I I just don't pay a ton of attention to men's basketball as I was going through all the you know 64 uh, games that I got to pick. I'm I'm looking at them and I'm like, well, there's about five teams in here that I think I have a good handle on how they're doing this year. <laughs> but March Madness is so much fun, man. And hey, so we're recording this on Wednesday. The episode is going to get posted late on Wednesday. It is the start of the new league year for the NFL. And so by the time this hits your ears, depending on when you press play, uh, the Packers will either uh, have a few minutes left to get under the cap or will already be under the cap. And uh, so we're not going to we're not going to cover some of the moves that we don't really know about yet. But we wanted to talk about some stuff that's already happened and how it affects this football team. Uh, Obviously, they cut Billy Turner and then we found out that uh, they lost Lucas Patrick to the Bears. (laughs) And so those two moves combined to leave you. Mm, pretty thin at the offensive line position. Gil, as it stands today, uh, what would you, where would you rank offensive line, particularly uh, um, tackles, as it comes to the Packers' draft needs? So, like, uh, rank it like uh, first, second, third. Uh, Where's the importance on this? It would have to be in my top three for sure. I would probably say it's either one or two. Okay. I, I think that's about where I'm at as well. I think that depending on how things go with Devontae and if the if the Packers do, in fact, release a Randall Cobb, I think it would be easy to have wide receiver leapfrog offensive line right now. Uh, but right now, I, I think you have to put those two as basically your first and second most important needs in the draft. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. And realistically, you know, especially th- th- there are two positions, well, three positions where you, you, you have to keep investing in them on a regular basis on the first two days of the draft. And I'm thinking about cornerback, offensive uh-huh. tackle, uh and edge rusher. Those, those three positions, you, you want to replenish that fairly constantly. And at least one of those three positions should be addressed on the first two days of the draft every year, if not two of them. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Looking at offensive line, when it comes to tackles, obviously you have David Bakhtiari and you're hoping that he's going to be ready to play. You have um, Dennis Kelly is not currently under contract with the team. 
but it feels kind of like a no brainer to me to bring him back and let him be your, your swing tackle. At least let him compete with, uh, uh, Yash Nyman and whoever you may draft in the first or second round this year for your right tackle job in, in, uh, uh, training camp and OTAs. You, uh, <clears throat> just mentioned Yash Nyman, Elton Jenkins. I don't think that, I don't think it's uh, prudent to try and include him in your plans uh, any any earlier than the middle of the season. So you have to have a different plan A for your right tackle to start the season. And that's kind of it for guys who can play tackle. Obviously, there is, you know, John Runyon did play tackle at Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just don't know, you know, looking at... Um, Looking at what who he is and what he's done in the league, I I don't have a ton of confidence that he projects as a an NFL tackle. No. It's just a little different in college. When it comes to the interior, you got a, a number of bodies that you feel pretty confident about, as long as you can lock up the two tackle positions. But to me, I think you know you and I spent a lot of time last week talking about the merits of keeping or moving on from Billy Turner and from Lucas Patrick. And I think that we didn't spend a ton of time on the idea of moving on from both of them. And in fact, it almost to me felt like we were wasting our time talking about whether you'd move on from those guys, because you know how much the Packers just as a team, as an organization love both of those players. It felt like even though there were good arguments to be made and we did make them for why you'd move on from those guys felt like eh, it's all a moot point anyways, because the Packers still are going to bring them back. They're both gone. And I think I would have liked to have kept one of them. And I, I get why you move on from each one, but the fact that they're both gone does leave a significant hole, especially compared to when you look at what they got out of the offensive line last year. And it it was not enough. And it was, I would say the number one reason two years in a row. Now, why you got knocked out of the playoffs was offensive line depth. And so you look at where they are now, they are considerably weaker than they were the past two years. And even on the interior, you, you kind of only have one backup player who could fill in. If Josh Myers gets hurt, uh, uh, Jake Hansen is kind of the only center that you have available. There is Michael Manet from Penn state that the Packers picked up. Uh, I think maybe after the season ended and you know, he was a guy that I was always kind of interested in. He was a seventh round pick by the Cardinals last year, but he can't be your, he cannot be your plan B behind Josh Myers. And, and mm. I, I don't know that I have a ton of confidence either in Jake Hansen as the plan B behind Josh Myers that was one of the best things that Lucas Patrick brought to the table was that he was not only versatile at any of the interior positions, but he was um, quite competent at any one of those. Yep. When he was under center or at right or left guard, you felt fine about it. Yeah. I mean, you didn't feel great, but you knew, you knew you were in good hands that nothing horrific was going to happen over the course of most of the games. And, Look, uh, the other option at center, although obviously for the first half of the season, it can't be an option. Elton Jenkins can move to center if need be. Uh, he he played that yeah. position in college. But again, that's not what you want your plan B to be. You're, you're then moving a lot of parts around on your offensive line. So, yeah, depth 
definitely becomes an issue because the one thing that both Billy Turner and uh, Lucas Patrick had in common, they were versatile. Turner could play four out of the five positions on the on the offensive line. Patrick could competently start at three of them. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, your interior depth is gone. Uh, backup center, I, I'm not ready to say that Jake Hansen is ready to start if called upon. I, right. What has he played? Three offensive plays his entire career? <laughs> not uh, only that, but I, I think that Jake Hansen might have been cut and re-signed by the Packers more times than he has played a snap for the Packers. Yeah, in a, in I, a, I think yeah. that's safe to say. Uh, and if you count times on the pup list or IR, you could even, you know, two or three <laughs> times that number. But yeah, so I, I mean, there is that issue. But the other thing is, based on the way Brian Gutekunst has handled things during his tenure as GM, you know, day three, they're picking up at least one interior offensive mm-hmm. lineman, probably two or three. Yeah, looking at uh, the interior, I think. I think you feel some decent confidence in your starters on the interior, actually. Uh, but again, depth is an issue. I think you go into the season assuming that John Runyon is your left guard. Royce Newman is your right guard. Josh Myers, obviously your center. And then you got you got a couple depth guys that you don't feel awesome about. But I, I guess I will point out two. There, there's two players on the interior that Packers.com actually lists as a tackle and a guard. Can you guess who those would be? Uh, uh, and, and I will say Elton Jenkins is listed as only a guard. Yeah, which is probably an attempt to not pay him more money. <laughs> <laughs> so but, uh, who, who, who did they draft as a tackle guard? Two guys. And uh, I'll tell you. Both of them are 2021 draft picks. Cole Van Lannen. Uh-huh. He's 6'4", 305. He'd be a small tackle, but not horrifically small. <laughs> right. Uh, and then you probably also, jeez. Uh, Royce Newman is 6'5", yeah. 310. So he he uh, played tackle for uh, Ole Miss. And uh, he's still listed as tackle and guard. Now, I don't feel awesome about moving either one of those guys to tackle, but it's interesting that the Packers, at least on their official roster, consider those guys as swing players. Right. And you know what? Uh, at the end of the day, who am I to tell the Packers how to run their team? But uh, <laughs> so so uh, looking at uh, some guys in the draft who maybe you look at in Round one, obviously, one of the guys that I like a lot, Zion Johnson is the guy I've talked about before. I think he most typically uh, projects as a an NFL guard, but uh, so he's he's from Boston College. They run the ball really well there. They're really, really smart players, smart offensive line, smart uh, players in general. That's where uh, A.J. Dillon is from. Zion Johnson and A.J. Dillon were teammates. Uh, the thing that you like about Zion is he's pretty massive. He's a little on the short side at six foot three, which is why he projects as a guard, but he's 312 pounds, extremely athletic, very physical guy. And when you, and when you factor in his intelligence, he's such a smart player 
it feels like a bit of a waste to stick him at guard. Um, <laughs> you you kind of want, I'm just saying you want your, your smartest offensive lineman at center and tackle. Yeah. Just, just, just because the intelligence of guards, that's all. So uh, I, I think, uh, I think that's generally how, how you would describe the guard position. Typically not that they're dumb guys, but, but just that the, the, that position does not require the, uh, freak intelligence that you are demanding of your tackles and centers that that it's more just about a a guy with the size right. um and uh the immovable mass is what you want at guard but um and uh at Boston College they did do a lot of zone running uh which the Packers really like to do I think that he is a fantastic fit really tough um just hard to move got a just a ton of athleticism and, and quickness he moves laterally really well uh this is a guy that i'd be really geeked about and then um one guy that uh you and i were talking about right before we started recording is we found a guy named uh bernard raymond mm-hmm. he's an offensive tackle from central michigan uh which is fun fact that's where my brother goes to school i i debated you know should i uh call up my brother and say hey go find bernard and interview him for no huddle radio (laughs) so bernard uh obviously plays for a really small school but the couple of uh uh what do you call the draft analysis that i have read about him do tend to project him as a starting left tackle in the nfl and the uh, the scheme tendencies that they lean into at CMU and that um, he is projected to be a good fit for is that really wide zone heavy rushing attack, which is like exactly what you're getting in the Matt LaFleur offense or the Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan offense. <clears throat> it My is. biggest concern with him is the com- competition he played against right. in college but he's kind of got all the tools. This is a guy that I would be really interested to see, uh, you know, uh, how, how he does like at his pro day, that kind of stuff. I did not watch him uh, at the combine, um, but uh, this is a guy who maybe you look at, he might fall to the second round, maybe. And uh, maybe this is an option for you at right tackle. Yeah, I mean, my my concerns, first of all, what I like about him, you talk about the size. He's also uh, a wrestler, so he's got sort of that experience mm-hmm. that I think could be a plus, uh, you know, playing offensive line. My biggest concern, as you said, is the, the jump from, you yeah. know, playing in the MAC conference to playing in the NFL, which is a, a big jump. Any college player is making a jump, but that's an even bigger one. And then the, the other thing um, – for me is that he's probably a little bit of a reach in the first round uh, for the Packers, but probably he won't be there by the time the Packers pick in the second round. So uh, he's sort of a tweener in that sense, as far as value is concerned. You know what? I, I a hundred percent agreed with you. Um, and then I went and, and looked up on NFL mock draft database.com where he's being projected just because I was curious because similarly, like I hadn't even heard of the guy. And so I was thinking that he probably was going to be a little bit of a later guy that you'd have to reach for. 
So far, he has appeared on 22% of all first round mock drafts. His consensus pick is number 26 in the first round, which is where the Titans are picking, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting to me. He's uh, uh, a lot of the uh, uh, draft analysis that I have read of him. They project him as a second rounder. But then when you actually do the mock drafts, he tends to go a little bit earlier than that. Uh, obviously, one of the things that you like about him the most, he does have the agility. He also has the size six foot six, 303 pounds, uh, ran a five Oh five forty. The guy is uh, everything you want physically and uh, really comes down to, you know, again, that competition at CMU. And uh, for for that reason, I, I just I'm a little bit surprised that the draft community is so high on him because it seems like a lot of the times some of those smaller school guys will get drafted by GMs early, but. Uh, tends to get kind of missed by, uh, you know, sort of the, the draft industrial con, uh, con- what's the word I'm looking for? Complex. Uh, complex. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> when you, when you're recording your second podcast of the day, you start to get a little tongue to tongue tied, but he, he's a smart guy though, uh, which is uh, something else that I've, I've seen, um, in his, uh, uh, draft comps. Yeah. I mean, again, I like the kid from what I've seen so far. I will watch some film on him at some point before the draft. But to me, you know, uh, again, he seems like the perfect slot for him to me would probably be early second round. So he's a little bit of a reach in round one, and he probably won't be there by the end of round two. Yeah, anywhere between 28 and uh, 56, that really is the Packers first round. Uh, If you don't have confidence that the guys that the guy you like is going to be there at pick 56, you have to take him in the first round if you want him. Right, exactly. So and and, uh, fans will get upset because they'll say like, oh, come on, you know, this guy was projected to, you know, pick 48 and you took him in the first round. I don't know what to tell you if. You know, <laughs> you can only pick where you pick. So uh, you look at the guys who are available and you decide who you like the best. And just because, um, you know, the draft network likes a guy who they have ranked at 30 does not mean that Brian Gutekunst came to the same conclusion when he was watching this tape. So, no, no question. And look, you got to pick the guy who has the biggest impact on your team. And that's not the same for all 32 teams in the league based on their needs, their strengths, their weaknesses. And right. even the specific things they look for in a player, you know, the, the Packers have a certain type of or certain level of athleticism that they look for. Uh, the versatility is a big thing for the Packers when looking at offensive linemen. So, you know, different teams have different things they emphasize and it's not one size fits all. Let's talk about wide receivers because that's the other position that I think is right up there in, um, pretty uh important territory and it could move from just like yeah you'd like to take this in the first three rounds to you are in major trouble if you can't get a a deal done with Devonte adams because right now they don't have any agreement in place for him to play in 2022 he said he won't play on the tag and they haven't come to an agreement on a uh contract <clears throat> which is all understandable i'm not faulting either side but the point is right now your wide receiver one is Al Lazard or Randall Cobb. And I don't know if we said it while we were recording or if we just said it before we started recording. Uh, I, I can't I can't justify bringing back Randall Cobb 
on a nine and a half million dollar cap hit in 2022. And given, given the production production you got out of him last year, he got five touchdowns all year. And four of those came in two games. Mm-hmm. And we know that the, the biggest reason why Brian Gutekunst moved on from Randall Cobb a couple of years ago and didn't want to bring him back is because Cobb is small, tends to get hurt a lot. Now he's considerably older. And guess what? He did get hurt. He missed not quite a half a year, but getting close to it. And you look at uh, when you're when you're trying to factor in the angle of, yeah, well, but Aaron Rodgers insists that he has to come back. He's got to be here because you know it's his boy. I I just would point out to Aaron Rodgers that, listen, the, the big talk last year was that you felt like if you had had Randall Cobb in that Bucks championship game, when you're trying to score a touchdown down at the end zone um, uh, at the end of the game, that if you'd had Randall Cobb, that he would have gotten open, he would have thrown to him. Well, you had Randall Cobb in the Niners playoff game this year, targeted him just one time with a, a pass that was really deserved to be picked off. And I don't know how anybody could have expected Randall Cobb to haul that in one target, zero receptions. That was it. And you know, the rest of the year you had a game or two here or there where Cobb would have a really nice play or two that uh, maybe would swing the swing, the fate of that game. But on the whole season, his uh, contributions were pretty minimal. Um, And for a guy who was the second highest paid wide receiver last year, even more expensive this year. I just don't know how you can bring him back. And, and at his age, he's, I think 31, 32. 31, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I, I just don't even think I really want him back. Even though I love Randall Cobb as a person, I just, in 2022, I don't know how much value he, he gives you. Plus you got the entire argument of the stunting of Amari Rogers development by mm-hmm. having Randall Cobb there instead. So I, I don't know your, your, your wide receiver here. Your right receiver room here is uh, Al Lazard and EQ and Malik Taylor. That that is who the national media has been describing the Packers wide receiver room as for years. <laughs> and, and EQ is, is an unrestricted free agent, so he may not be back either. So if you got Devonte back, I, I think you're expecting to lose MVS to free agency. Maybe they can bring him back, but with the rumors of uh, how much teams are going to be willing to offer him, I don't think the Packers can or should match that. No, not even close. If you're talking $10 million a year, good luck. You need help at wide receiver. That's, that's the the bottom line. I think the last couple of years I've been okay with not taking a first round round wide receiver. Um, this year, I think it's definitely a a serious concern. And if you can't come to an agreement with Devante before the draft, all of a sudden you are in panic territory. Yeah, if you don't have Devante, the, the caveat to that is that if you end up deciding before the draft, okay, we'll trade Devante Adams. Maybe you get a player or uh, you know a wide receiver back as part of the deal in addition to a draft pick. And that could change the equation going into the draft. But, you know, if you haven't traded him or signed him yet, and you have that uncertainty hanging over your head, you have to address it right away. And even if Devontae is coming back, 
the depth at this position is not great enough and more talent and depth is needed. I agree with you, Randall Cobb either shouldn't be back or they'll cut him and sign him for something closer to the veterans minimum. Um, you know, if, if Aaron Rodgers wanted Randall Cobb back that badly, he could have taken some, a few less dollars and said, Hey, keep Randall Cobb. I want to make sure he's taken care of. Mm -hmm. He didn't do that. So, uh, you know, I like Cobb as a person also. I love his place in Packers history, but right now at best he's a fourth receiver on a uh, on a good team with decent receivers and and you know 9 million dollars is just way too much to pay for a fourth receiver. When you're looking at wide receivers who could be available at the Packers first or second pick in the draft. Uh, the biggest name who has been falling in the draft and maybe would be within reach is Chris Olave. I I don't know that I think he makes it that far. And if you're taking Chris Olave, I think that you probably want to be a team where Olave is your wide receiver, too, just because of the mm -hmm. skill set that he has. He's a uh, he would be a fantastic MVS replacement. He is um, primarily a deep threat. He's got blazing speed. Um, just, uh, I mean, almost every single catch I can ever think of in Chris Olave's career has been a deep, deep pass to the back of the end zone for a touchdown. Um, one of the things that you love about Olave is his hands. He has fantastic hands, snags just about everything you throw his way. Um, he is a, a decent route runner. But when you take into consideration the type of body he has, he's uh, decently tall-ish. He's six foot one, um, not super tall, but he's uh, very slight. He's only uh, 185 pounds-ish, um, and he's a he's an okay uh, short range and intermediate route runner. This is a guy who I think even in the NFL is going to feast on on uh, being a deep threat. And that's great. Uh, but I, I, that's why I think that he is going to thrive if he is a wide receiver two behind a guy like Devonte or Justin Jefferson or somebody in this league. Uh, so uh, if you're trying to lean on him, him as your number one, I think he's going to disappoint. And again, I'm not even sure he's going to fall that far. Um, See, here's a guy. Go ahead. I mean, I have a question about that, though, because yeah. like MVS was a fifth round pick. Right. And he was more or less a one trick pony. He went deep. He got, he stretched defenses. He was not consistent or reliable underneath his hands were not great as a fifth round pick. What you got from MVS was a good bargain, but if you're getting MVS 2.0, I don't want to have that be the 28th pick overall in the draft in the first round. A, a lot alive is certainly not, MVS 2.0. He, I'm just saying that if you look at what MVS brought to this team, in addition to the other things that Alave can do, Alave absolutely can do the things that MVS did for the team that we liked about MVS right. that nobody else on the team can do. Devante, Lazard, EQ, Amari, none of those guys have the ability to stretch the field in the way that MVS no. could. Now, Chris Alave can, and he brings a lot more to the table in addition to just that, and you mentioned that MVS's hands were always a concern. Uh, Olave, I mentioned one of his greatest uh, assets was having fantastic hands. Um, and and, and uh, 
and, and definitely not uh, hating on MVS as a, as a fifth round pick, but would I have uh, ever considered MVS worth drafting in the first round? No, Chris Olave, I think is deserving of a, a uh, first, maybe an early second round pick mm-hmm. because he does bring so much more to the team. I just am questioning whether he has what it takes to uh, take all the focal point of the defense in the way that Devonte or Justin Jefferson or Jamar chase or Deandre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, any of these guys who can do so many things and they can, uh, they play so well that even when you got the number one cornerback and some help from the safety and maybe, uh, maybe some other uh, guys shading in to try and stop you and still beat them. I don't think that's Chris Olave. That might be his teammate, Garrett Wilson. I think right. Garrett Wilson absolutely might be that. Chris Olave is a guy who, yeah, Garrett Wilson very well might be the first wide receiver taken off the board. Mm-hmm. He's going to be probably a top 10 pick. Chris Olave, I think just because of the fact that he thrives so much when he's the number two guy, you know, here here's part of the problem with MVS is that Devonte Adams was always putting MVS in a situation where he should be feasting all the time. And instead MVS would just once in a blue moon haul in a pass that would go for a massive gain. Right. And most of the time, the best thing that MVS could do is take a defender out of the mix by stretching the field. That that's most of the time. That was all MVS could muster up because love him, but he was not a fantastic player. No. And with Alave, you know, my concern more than anything is the the size, 185, 190 pounds. Can he go over the middle? Can he take the punishment that he's going to take in the National Football League? Does he need to add muscle mass? And if so, does that slow him down? Uh, those are questions yeah. that I would have about him coming out. Well, I, I can answer you for that right now. He cannot put on muscle mass. This is, this is just his body. He's been trying to put on weight for years. This right. is just who he is. If you like... What he does, and you want a guy who's a little bigger and can take more of that uh, uh, Lambeau field cold weather beating. The guy for you is David Bell from Purdue. Mm-hmm. He's six foot two, 205 pounds, considerably larger than Alave. Very similar game. Uh, not quite as fast as Alave, but still stretches the field really effectively. He's a really good route runner. Um, David Bell, the other, they uh, maybe benefit to him is that I think he's going to fall considerably further down the draft than Alave. You might be able to get him at the back of the second round. Um, and when you're a team like the Packers who has a value on a certain type of player, certain type of body and would be using this guy that you're drafting in either Alave or bell in that certain way, I think, I think the the better value for you is no question at the back of the second round instead of the back of the first round. Mm-hmm. David Bell is to me checks a lot of the same boxes that Alave does, and the stuff that you're maybe giving up uh, with Bell in like uh, some of the uh, little bit of the of the deep speed and um, uh, maybe a, a little bit of the uh, just sticky hands that let nothing go by. I think that that is probably worth the trade of, uh, you know, basically the equivalent of, of a second round pick there. So, yeah. 
Yeah, there's and, other guys, and, there's other guys who can do the same thing, but don't have the body type that David Bell does. Like Jahan Dotson, I think is very comparable to Chris Olave in terms of his size. In fact, he's even a little bit shorter. Uh, and those three guys all have a very similar game. Right. David Bell is just so much bigger. Mm-hmm. And the Packers do tend to prefer bigger receivers. If you want to look at big receivers, one guy who is just shooting up the draft boards, Traylon Burks from Arkansas. When when I look at Burks, it, it kind of makes me chuckle every time because you know how you look at AJ Dillon and he just is like built differently from all the other running backs on the field. Like yep. Traylon Burks kind of does the same thing. They both both of those guys kind of look a little bit like linebackers, just real thick legs, uh, just very stout stout bodies. Uh, Traylon Burks is 225 pounds, six foot three, but he looks a lot heavier because of how much muscle he has. Um, and he's not slow either, which is the crazy thing. He can move that big body down the field and, uh, being six foot three, he's nice and tall. He is a, uh, a red zone threat. That guy, um, I, I think maybe in a different universe where he adds a couple inches, He's a tight end, um, but like one of the fastest tight ends in the NFL. Yeah, that would be, I mean, he probably would need to put on one another 10 pounds or so and, and, and keep maybe two inches at least. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's got a a totally different set of measurables. He, he might be an improvement over Alan Lazard uh, the way you're describing him with his size and, and his speed. So, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot, the, the good thing about this draft, it is a very deep draft at receiver. And I think there's a lot of value to be had in rounds two and three, which is where the Packers tend to be very successful picking receivers anyway. I mean, you, you look at Antonio Freeman, Greg Jennings, uh, Devonte Adams, uh, James Jones, so many, uh, Jordy Nelson, all of those guys were day two picks who really panned out well for the Packers. Uh, last wide receiver I want to touch on before we move on is George Pickens uh, from Georgia. And one of the uh, concerns that you have with him is uh, his injury. He did have, what was it? I think he tore his ACL. Yeah, tore ACL and missed a lot of the 2021 season. The other negative, before we get into any of the positives on him, is that there have been some quotes from coaches that are a little bit concerning that um, uh, what was the one? Uh, I don't think they called him lazy, uh, but he, he's had a little bit of like off the field issues in the past. It's been a little while. All right. So here's the quote I was looking for. Uh, definitely a lot of red flags with Pickens uh, ACL injury. Never put up fantastic stats while he was in college, partly due to missing time. Uh, He's a bit thin and wiry, so future injuries are a concern. And his run blocking in college was mediocre. Then there was this quote, has a number of off-the-field issues. He was suspended for violating team rules and has been ejected for punching another player. He has been called undisciplined by his own head coach. This will likely scare a number of NFL teams off. So, uh, I do want to address the punching thing <laughs> just say <laughs> Jair punched a tight end in the throat <laughs> and we still love Jair. So, uh, you know, if you're a little bit chippy and you get upset in some moments, uh, I, I don't know that I hate that. I think that I want the coaches to kind of work with you on that. So you don't get ejected so that, that you're not hurting the team that way. But, uh, 
Pickens is a guy that uh, I I just can't get enough of him. One of the things that made me first start looking at him is that he's kind of like begging the Packers to draft him kind of the way Amari Rogers did. Keep saying, yeah, I want to go to the Packers. I'd love to play with Aaron Rodgers. Um, and the other thing, you know, you have have the uh, the injury concerns with him where he missed a lot of the 2021 season. Well, when he came back, he was the same player he had been pre-injury, which you love to see. That is uh, true. Pickens makes just absurd catches. If you look at his highlight reels, which I, I, I try not to look at highlight reels when I'm scouting players, but like with Pickens, some of his catches are so ridiculous. He makes these diving catches. He wins a lot of 50-50 balls, makes all these tough, you know, uh, uh, toe-tap, uh, toe dragging out of bounds catches. Um, one of his uh, uh, craziest catches, he basically, like, does a flip in the air and brings the ball down with, like, half of his hand, <laughs> like, just cradled against, like, the inside of his forearm. Just absurd plays. I I love the effort that he puts in um, on the field. Just uh, 100, 100% every single snap, never takes a playoff. Um, uh, you mentioned um, while we were uh, uh, paused a minute ago that you had a concern about his blocking, mm-hmm. which I 100% get. But also we had Matt LaFleur talking to us just a couple weeks ago at the Combine saying, you know, blocking is like all about attitude and, and like a want to. Like we can teach blocking, but you have to want to block and you have to be willing to do it. And I just look at what Pickens does everywhere else in his game and the way he puts his body in the line, the the selfless play that he has. I think you get him in a scheme in green Bay where blocking is valued and, and really preached by the coaches uh, to on, on paper, it feels to me like you can make it work with Pickens. I, I, I would hope so. Um, you know, if attitude is sort of a problem off the field and, you know, you, you talked about, okay, uh, Jair Alexander punched a tight end in the throat one time, you know, for some reason, and this is going to sound ridiculous maybe, but, I don't mind it on a defensive player as much as I would mind it on an offensive player. It's a, it's a sort of a different mm. attitude. And I think I want my defensive players to be a little more aggressive in that respect. Uh, makes sense to me. I don't know necessarily why you wouldn't like it as much on offense, but I, I guess uh, I haven't thought about that before. Uh, I do have a, there's a couple things that come to mind where we've seen some of the Packers offensive players getting into it. Uh, Devante definitely gets an attitude sometimes with players. We've seen him get in guys' faces. Uh, he's been flagged for that before. And I think about some of the offensive linemen that uh, we've had get in tussles, especially, you know, with one uh, single notable player uh, for the Rams. Uh, we've had uh, Lucas Patrick and Elton Jenkins. Both were getting in it with him, getting uh, lippy, uh, getting him all worked up to the point where he starts trying to choke the life out of him and, and still doesn't get flagged, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, we, we, we've seen Aaron Rodgers get into it with guys uh, here or there uh, as well. Usually but, with, a, uh, with a wink and a, and a, and a nod, but yes, <laughs> we've seen it. Uh, yeah, un, un, unless their name is Indomitian Sue, then there's not so much winking. No, no. And, and, and I think that's more on Sue than it is on anybody else. Cause he's the common denominator in a lot of those. Views, but yes. <laughs> Hey, let's talk about Jordan Love. This is the last thing I want to hit today. Jordan Love, what do you do with him now? Because the Aaron Rodgers contract is kind of in a bit of a weird no man's territory. Or Yeah, territory. First of all, 
we don't actually know how many years this contract is for because nobody is reporting it the same way as each other. Uh, you know, we had originally heard it was uh, four years, $200 million. And then Pat McAfee's coming out and he's saying, hey, uh, Aaron Rodgers texted me and said that's not true. Aaron Rodgers then takes to Twitter and says, hey, just so you know, that number is not correct. And then the numbers come out and it kind of feels like that is correct after all. But then people are looking at it and they're saying, man, the, the structure of this is weird because you you for sure have him for 2022, 2023 and 2024. And after that, it's real murky. And are the final two years on this new extension, are they real years? Are they uh, just void years that you could like unvoid? We're not really sure. Um, but the the one thing that. I think is most affected by this is Jordan loves future because if Aaron Rodgers is here for three years, that still plays out the entirety of loves rookie deal. Mm -hmm. And I'm fine with keeping him as a backup from the Packers perspective, you know, in 2019 when the Packers picked Rashawn Gary, I really wanted them to draft uh, Dwayne Haskins with their first pick at 12 and not as the Aaron Rodgers replacement, but he had to think back to where we were. Um, this was at the conclusion of the 2018 season. So we had just gone the entire 20 season, 2017 season watching um, Brett Hundley play. And then in 2018, Rodgers missed, I think he missed um, enough of two games in that season that we saw a substantial amount of Deshaun Kaiser. I think that was just uh, week one and week 17. Um is uh, are, are the games where we were watching Deshaun Kaiser and it was just just pathetic, miserable quarterback play. And I just wanted them to have a competent backup so badly that I was willing to burn a first or second round pick on it. And I think looking back, I was like way too desperate. Like you can't burn a number 12 overall pick on a backup quarterback. But um, <laughs> the idea of keeping Jordan Love around to continue to back up Aaron Rodgers is fine with me from the Packers perspective. However, I do think that it's very unfair to Jordan Love. If he requests a trade, I think the Packers should honor it because I kind of think it's the right thing to do. And, and I think that the Packers, especially when you have um, a little bit of a public image issue out there with uh, Devontae Adams and Zadarius Smith, I think that you have to have a little bit of care for how um, other players out there, uh, prospective free agents, et cetera, are viewing the Packers organization of, are they going to screw me over in my eyes if push comes to shove? Or do they actually care about me as a person? Because that has always been one of the selling points of Green Bay is that they treat their players really well. Mm -hmm. And when you are in northern wisconsin you have to have a good reputation for how you treat your players because play, players don't want to come live in northern wisconsin so yeah uh, the, so, the, so the beaches it, in northern wisconsin are not a year-round attraction like they are in miami let's put it that way you know unless you're a penguin <laughs> but <laughs> but uh you know jordan love worked his butt off to become a first round draft pick then he gets drafted by the Packers, and you could you could certainly 
flip this around and say, yeah, well, he had the opportunity to show the Packers that he could be their franchise quarterback, and he didn't do that. And so, therefore, uh, Aaron Rodgers stays long term. But I don't know that the perception around the league, especially among other players, is really going to be that Jordan Love was given a, a, a super fair shake at this. I think that I think that right now the Jordan Love story is maybe heading in a direction of being a bit of a tragedy. And I don't know that. I don't know how much of that you can actually blame on Jordan Love as much as you can just the. Uh, really difficult situation that he was drafted into. And I think if he if he asks for a trade to a team like the Colts or somewhere where he could go be a starter, uh, I think the Packers really should honor that. What do you think? You know, uh, a couple of things come to mind. First of all, I will give some credit to Jordan Love because he was placed in a very difficult situation through no fault of his own all the drama that Aaron Rodgers created, uh, which in a large part was because of the drafting of Jordan Love. Uh, Love has been classy. He has handled this well. He has never spoken out in the media. He has never said anything against Aaron Rodgers, against the Packers organization. He's been a good soldier, so to speak. Um, To me, from a Packers standpoint, the trade value of Jordan Love will probably never be higher than it is now because you have not a lot of quarterbacks in free agency who are worth pursuing. And this is a very weak draft class as well. So for the teams that don't have a quarterback right now, if you don't, you know, Jordan Love would probably be the best quarterback in this year's draft if he were coming out this year. He probably has more value now than he will. Assuming Aaron Rodgers stays healthy, he's going to play in mop-up duty and exhibition games. So he'll probably never have a higher value as a trade, uh, as trade bait than he will now, unless Rodgers gets hurt, love comes in and really shines. And then all of a sudden you could sit there and say, well, now he's proven that he's, you know, worth, more and we can get more for him. But we don't know the term of this Rogers contract. You're right about that. It looks to me, no matter how you sort of break it down, that it's a two-year deal, probably a three-year deal. And then you have the void years where uh, if Rogers retires after two years is like $75 million worth of dead cap month. There's a whole lot of escalators. And if it goes beyond the two years, you're probably renegotiating with him anyway for for another extension with void years to, to lower that cap hit. Either way, that takes you two more years, takes you to the end of Jordan Love's entry level contract. So he's either going to be the backup or he's going to fill in as the starter. If Rogers goes down, um, to me, if you can get a, a day two pick for Jordan Love, it helps Jordan Love. You control where he goes, so you don't have to necessarily, you know, he's not going to go to Chicago or Minnesota or Detroit. You right. can send him out of the conference even. It makes more sense to try to deal him now under the circumstances as long as you feel comfortable finding another backup. Speaking of another backup, 
I have got the guy, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think other teams are going to be falling over for this guy because he doesn't really project as a starter, but like maybe has the the tools to be like an all time great um, backup. Mm-hmm. And, and and I will say, I think that this kid that I'm about to about to talk about will start and win games in the NFL. And I'm talking about Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky. He uh, is was the 2021 MVP of Conference USA. He broke. He smashed, in fact, the passing yards and touchdowns records for FBS football. Uh, the 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 knock on him, the reason that he's not a um, real early <laughs> draft prospect is because he went to Western Kentucky and look, he he blew his competition out of the water. He had uh, four hundred and seventy five uh, completions on six hundred and eighty six attempts, uh, almost six thousand passing yards. He had like four hundred was four hundred and fifty eight, uh, four hundred and. 58 yards per game. I think 62 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 168.8 passer rating. This dude um, has absolutely what it takes. He's a a good leader. He is uh, uh, definitely above average when it comes to athleticism. Mm -hmm. So he can, he can bail out of the pocket and escape. Uh, Got really good footwork. He does not have a big arm, but he is, just extremely accurate. He's not going to push the ball super far downfield, but wherever he wants the ball to go, he just wills it to that spot. He can throw it on a dime. Uh, You know, his, his, his deep ball is okay. It just, it doesn't, and it's still accurate when he throws deep, but it doesn't have that zip and that speed to get down there, which is, which is an issue. It's, It's a very catchable deep ball, but those kind of slow, really catchable deep balls, are also catchable for defenders. Uh, right. So so that's an issue. But Bailey Zappi uh, on uh, NFL mock draft database dot com. He's projected as a fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the consensus is the 133rd pick, which is in the fourth round, I think late fourth round. Um, and the earliest he's been featured on any mock drafts that uh, they're aware of is number 115. Okay. So this is this is the guy for me. You you know you maybe uh, I think if he's there in the fifth round, if he falls down to the fifth round, take him and get what you can for Jordan Love because Jordan Love deserves a shot somewhere else. And I don't think that uh, the returns that you've gotten at this point for investing all your time into Jordan Love are enough for me to say now let's keep sticking with it to see if maybe we want to re-sign him to another extent, another deal after his, his rookie contract is over and Rogers is still the starter. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. My big concern with Zappy is his size. He's only six feet tall. Russell Wilson. He's six fan. one. He's six one. Well, okay. And he's uh, a backup. Come yeah, on. No, but, but the other question is this, I, I'm not going to argue whether he's six or six one. I mean, I'll split the difference with you and say six and a half, but all right. Uh, the, the question is, if Rodgers goes down, are you saying it doesn't matter who the backup is? The season is more or less over? Or are no. you comfortable with him being ready as a rookie to be that backup guy? 
I am comfortable with him. That's why I want That's why I'm saying this is the guy. If I did, you know, if I if I said that it just didn't matter who it is, if Rogers goes down, then stick with Kurt Benkert because we love him as a person. Right. Uh, Bailey Zappi. I, I, I said at the beginning, I think uh, he's going to start and win NFL games. Um, the uh, I, I, you can't compare people to Tom Brady because you just can't. But you look at the style of play that he has. He gets the ball out on time, not necessarily too quickly or, you know, like just trying to get the ball out of his hands desperately because he can hold on to it. He can uh, run and scramble a little bit, but it's just about distributing the ball really accurately with precision timing. That is just invaluable. And you get a guy who can be the cap, just a, a, a captain of the offense and a leader and just a distributor of the football. Uh, that that'll win you games in a pinch. Uh, you know, and if, if you're in a situation where uh, maybe you're playing in the wild card and you're up by three points and Rogers goes down, he can't go back into the game. I think Bailey Zappi is a guy that you would feel comfortable rolling the dice on. If you're going to throw him out there and, and try and, and seal that win there. All right. Well, let, let's see. I mean, the, the quarterback who I've heard him compared to most, uh, in the stuff that I've read is Gardner Minshew. And as a backup, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I think that'd be a great yeah. backup, you know, comparison. Now, maybe he needs a little time to mature to become Gardner Minshew, but you know, yeah. that's a decent comparison as far as backups go. Alrighty. Well, this was a super fun episode. I like getting to talk about some specific guys in the draft. Uh, we have at this point right now in our day, not your day, but as we're recording this, we have just, little under two hours left before the Packers have to be under the cap. So you guys all probably know what happened, and uh, maybe you can tell us about it. <laughs> that does it for us today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com